Welcome to a new episode of the Tez Scotland podcast. I'm Henry Hepburn, Scotland editor for Tez, and each month I talk to senior reporter Emma Seath about one of our long reads and some of the other eye-catching stories and big issues we've been covering. This time we're looking at a landmark report on the student-teacher experience in Scotland. Emma, could you first of all just fill us in briefly about what this research is and what it, what it involves? Yeah, no, sure, sure. So um, the research is called um, Measuring Quality and in Initial Teacher Education Project. Um, and basically the goal was to once and for all um, uncover what the essentials of high quality initial teacher education are, as well as whether or not um, teacher preparation in Scotland was um, in good shape. So it involved um, surveying new graduates over um, a five-year period just to see how their confidence their confidence levels changed um, when it came to delivering different aspects of the curriculum over time. And they also surveyed um, school-based um, teacher mentors who, who mentors student teachers on placement, university tutors, um, probationer managers um, in councils. And then they carried out focus groups as well with um, with with those with those um, you know sort of different stakeholders. And can you just give us a, a brief sense of some of the big issues that you've homed in on um, in your piece that, that have emerged from the report? Well, I mean, I guess it's probably important to say that just in terms of you know sort of whether or not the sector is in good shape, they conclude that um, new teachers report that they uh, feel confident in their abilities and that essentially the sector is healthy and the teacher preparation in Scotland is not in crisis. So I guess that's the good news. Mm. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the, one of the big issues to emerge was this uh, idea that there is a lack of consensus um, over what um, what the purpose of initial teacher education is, um, and it seems that there's this, you know, kind of like slight divergence in terms of what schools and universities think um, initial teacher education should be doing. You know, so schools want new teachers who can hit the ground running, who are classroom ready, but the universities more see their role as developing, you know, sort of these reflective practitioners who are going to be prepared for what is an as yet unknown future so that they can be um, flexible enough to deal with all the different changes that they might encounter over the course of their career. So they're not going to they're not going to pop out of initial teacher education fully formed, I think, is, you know, sort of the, is the idea. Um, and so and, and then something else that it highlights is just this the, the wide range of um, courses and universities and programmes that schools are drawing students from, student teachers from just now. Um, and, and the fact that that makes it quite hard for teacher mentors to get to grips with all these different goals of these, the, all the different goals with um, these different programmes and also to, you know, sort of build relationships with um, the different universities that are delivering these different programmes. So, so your piece is obviously focused on student placements. You've talked about some of the, the tensions that identifies between schools and universities. Um, but the report also tracked, as you said, uh, student teachers in the years after they qualified for a number of years. Um, I was wondering what the main finding that emerges from that longer term analysis is. Is it uh, basically, as you, you mentioned at the top, that there may be issues and tensions and so forth, but ultimately the student teacher experience is a good one on the whole in Scotland? Well, I mean, in terms of and how years, the, the, and in terms of how it sets people up for the for the years, the early years of their career. Yeah, well, the good mm. news is, is I think that mm. the new teachers are generally found to feel pretty confident. They ask them about all different areas of the curriculums. So, if you think about primary teachers and all the different things that they're having to deliver, PE, expressive arts, science, 
you know, so they, they asked to rate how confident they felt delivering those um, different areas on a five point scale. The only area which um, slipped below a mean of three out of five was um, languages. So the researchers suggest you need to focus on that across the system. Um, but, you know, in terms of the other areas, you know, confidence levels were quite high and the areas that we'd be really concerned about literacy and numeracy, um, you know, the, the, the findings were, were positive. Um, in terms of secondary early career teachers, where they were feeling least confident was in terms of delivering the um, more advanced levels of qualifications that you get in Scottish secondary schools. So talking about your hires and your advanced hires. In some ways, you know, that's not really all that surprising because new teachers would be less likely to get to take a higher class or an advanced higher class just because the stakes are so high. Um, so what the researchers suggest is that we introduce more team teaching to give new teachers that experience, but then obviously without the risk for the pupils of it being a total disaster mm -hmm. and then that mm -hmm. impacting on their exam results. So which are obviously so important for them for their next stages and where they go on to. So um it, when it comes so so because so so there are those areas of the system where they, they sort of suggest that focus but then when it comes to how do you help and support new teachers or early career teachers um to become better uh just more generally they are very much saying that it shouldn't be a one-size-fits-all approach um and the what kind of comes through is that different teachers have different needs so they recommend that when you're talking about, you know, sort of prep, professional development, that there should be choice um, and that it shouldn't just be, you know, OK, well, everybody has to do this. Everybody has to do mm -hmm, that. There mm -hmm. should be choice, offer people different options when it comes to the development and let them, you know, sort of home in on the areas where they feel that they need to have that extra bit of support. And just finally on this piece, how likely are things to change in the years ahead when it comes to improving the student teacher experience? You've identified some of the tensions and uh, between the universities, the schools. Um, is is that likely to be resolved anytime soon? Well, I mean, like you'll be aware of this as mm. well, Henry. That you know, like these kinds of issues they've they've been flagged before. This idea that you know mentoring is you know, such a big part, you know, the, the student placements um, in schools is such a big part of initial teacher education, but there's long been this, you know, kind of criticism that it's not properly resourced, um, the the mentors don't have enough time to properly carry out their role, the, um, and also they don't receive enough training to, you know, or, you know, or sometimes any training in order to be able to do it well. Um, so, so that has kind of come up time and time again but um you know we, we don't seem to kind of get very much further down the road of actually you know sort of doing something about these things it's almost like we keep on flagging what the issues are but we don't you know sort of do anything to address it will it change now well it doesn't seem all that likely given that budgets are as tight as they are and there's lots of competing you know sort of priorities i mean i think that we've said you know there's no shortage of um you know of, of things on jenny gilroos to-do list mm -hmm. um <laughs> You know, yeah. she kind of comes into the role as the new education secretary. So um, so I think that in terms of um, it getting the attention it, it deserves, there's so many things clamouring for attention just now, perhaps not. Um, the only kind of thing that might change a bit and, and it could have a positive um, impact is that the system that places students in schools, the student placement system, 
which is hosted just now by the General Teaching Council of Scotland, for Scotland, they're going to stop hosting that as of um, 2014 and the system is going to be 2024, renewed. 2024, sorry, was it? Oh, sorry, 2024. Oh, yes, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. oh my goodness, yeah. It's just because I want to be a decade the, younger. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in my 30s again. Great. Um, yeah, so in 2024, that's due for renewal. And so there's this kind of hope that um, by renewing it, it might be able to be a bit more sophisticated. It might be able to make better, you know, sort of, you know, use of advances in technology, um, which might then mean that, you know, one of the problems that's flagged in the research that I mentioned about schools taking students from multiple different um, university programmes it might be possible to um, streamline that a little bit more, which means that maybe you could um, get those relationships, you know, sort of um, building a bit better between um, schools and, um, and and then the and then the initial teacher or, or the higher education institutions. Great. That's great. Thanks, Emma. Um, now we're just going to finish off with a, a very quick whistle stop tour through five other test pieces you might want to find online just now. Firstly, uh, just a few days ago, there was a new EIS survey this week looking at teacher health and well-being. Now, it found that workload is a huge concern for teachers. That's no surprise. That's that's long been the case. But some of the figures this time around were really eye-popping. So we had 98% of teachers who were surveyed working above their contracted hours each week. We had around two-thirds of teachers who were either struggling or starting to struggle to pay their rent or mortgage. And yet, uh, I think this tells you something about the sort of dedication and commitment of the teaching profession can sometimes be taken for granted. But despite their own money problems, seven out of 10 teachers are still using their, their own money to buy things for pupils. That might be food, that might be clothing or other school equipment. So some really interesting findings in there. Now, secondly, Emma, there was big news this week on free school meals. Could you tell us briefly about that? Yeah, so um, the new First Minister, Hamza Youssef, is um, signalling that he wants to halt the rollout of universal free school meals. So this is a 2021 um, SNP Scottish Parliament elect, uh, manifesto um, promise uh, to, to roll out university free school meals in primary school. Um, it's been hit by a number of delays. We do have free school meals in the first five years of primary school though, um, but now there's this question mark um, over whether or not the rollout will ever happen mm -hmm. to the final two years of primary school. Well, primary when was that originally meant to happen? It was meant to happen by August 2022. Okay. So, so already beyond um, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so it's already been delayed, um, but the, the government has, you know, kind of consistently said it's still committed to it, but now that has changed. And um, and and there's been an outcry from you know Scotland's biggest teaching union, the EIS, and also from child poverty campaigners, just because when you have a cutoff point in terms of who gets to receive free school meals and who doesn't, you know when you take a more targeted approach, um, if that cutoff point remains where it is at the moment, the feeling is that just now lots of children and families who really need that support are going to slip through the net. Uh, yeah, so um, there's two issues there, aren't there? Because there's that, there's where's the cutoff point, but there's also even if you fall within the cutoff point you're entitled to, we know that if, when when things are not offered universally, even the people who are entitled to something don't necessarily get it for all sorts of reasons. So there's a couple of well, you remove the, there, yeah. you remove the sort of um, the people don't have to apply. You know, something's universal, then 
you know, everybody gets it. There's no impetus on the family to kind of make that application. And then obviously stigma is something else that is talked about, you know, sort of in relation to free school meals that um, families don't apply because they, they, they don't want to be, you know, sort of seen as different or as struggling. Yeah, I think they both think this is an issue that's going to rumble on. It's, it's already proved very controversial. So third in the list of five, last week we reported on an event run by the Royal High School in Edinburgh, which recently had an outstanding inspection report. Head teacher Pauline Walker spoke at length about the school's vision and values, which boiled down to just three words, we belong here. Now, Walker says uh, it's crucial that pupils and staff understand a school's values and they're, as she says, living and breathing them, that, that you know, sort of empty slogans are no, no use to anyone. And the school's values are re reviewed annually, so they're alive, they're constantly evolving. And uh, the head teacher actually said that, uh, you know, if that means that branded stationery or notepaper or whatever is no longer of any use because you've changed the values and so be it, you know, you can't just uh, stick with something um, if it's not working anymore. Um, really interesting insight into the how an outstanding school approaches uh, its, its its values and its vision. Um, finally, uh, sorry, fourth, uh, fourthly, Emma, uh, a lot of our pieces on leadership tend to focus on the head teacher role, but we had a piece about middle leadership this week. Could you tell us a little, little bit about that? So, yeah, that was a piece from um, Adam Black, who's a principal teacher of... Um, additional support needs at Calder Glen High in um, South Lanarkshire and he was reflecting on taking on that role so the role of principal teacher um, is different because we often have pieces you know sort of from head teachers and deputy head teachers reflecting on the challenges of those roles and, and also I guess you know sort of how to land them in the first place mm -hmm. um, but you know uh, this is a good piece for people who are keen to make the next step in their career although I guess you know sort of another important thing to say is that there are fewer of those mm -hmm. you know kind of middle management opportunities um, you know that principal teacher um, title is becoming rarer due to the rise of faculties but um, a couple of things that I liked um, from <clears throat> his piece um, talking about um, it's important to change things, but it's also important to, you know, sort of take that, take it slow, you know, so not to try to sort of, you know, um, not to be kind of like too ambitious. You've got to take people with you. And also that realisation um, that he kind of came to is that the buck stops with you now. So your role changes from the person, you know, kind of maybe ranting a bit, raising issues, questioning why do we not, why do we do it like this? You know, like, why don't we do it, you know, sort of differently? to the person who actually has to deal with um, other people coming to them and raising issues. Um, and, you know, and you're the one that has to, you know, sort of um, take account of all of that and, and, and make the decision about what the best uh, course of action is. Yeah, Adam's written for us a number of times before. His pieces are always really engaging and, and full of good practical advice. So I'd really advise uh, anyone interested in middle leadership to go and seek seek out his piece. Finally, we had a really interesting piece from the Royal Blind School in Edinburgh, which along with school, schools they're working with in some other countries, is creating a database of 3D printable objects designed to help pupils with vision impairment. So 3D objects could fill in conceptual gaps by, for example, helping pupils get a sense of you know, the scale and the majesty of the Colosseum in Rome or the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. It's really, really fascinating stuff. So um, head along to our website again to, to find out more about that. So that brings us to the end of another episode. You can read Emma's piece on the MCOIT research project and much more besides at tes.com forward slash magazine. 
and make sure to sign up to our free weekly email newsletter, which is a great way of catching up on the best Tesco and coverage of the previous few days. Finally, remember to subscribe to the Tesco and podcast on the podcast platform of your choice, and we'll have a new episode in a few weeks' time.